is the Cloud Hub Podcast, your launchpad for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to the Cloud on Out podcast. My name is Andreas. And my name is Michael. And we are two brothers, independent consultants at Vitix, technical writers at Cloud on Out, and uh, programming founders at Marbot. And what we do is we focus 100% on Amazon Web Services. And this is also what this podcast is about. And every other week, we discuss a topic related to AWS. One of us prepares the topic, which is not known to the other one. So, Michael, what's the subject for today? Um, today, we talk about monitoring, Andreas. There are many ways to monitor an application. And in this um, episode, we focus on websites, a web application. So, for example, you can monitor from a technical perspective. So, for example, on AWS, you could... Um, if this runs on uh, behind a load balancer, you could monitor the load balancers, monitor 500s on the load balancer. You could monitor the latency to your backends. Um, and then your backend itself, if it's running on EC2 or maybe Fargate, you can monitor all kinds of uh, things uh, on the application level, also from a technical perspective. And last but not least, you could monitor the database. Um, the assumption here is that If all the technical metrics are fine, the users um, will have a good experience. And the problem is that this is not necessarily true. So for example, if you load external JavaScript uh, on your website, this could break. And you will not notice this on the load balancer because this is executed on the client side. Um, there could be problems with the DNS setting. Um, so no one is actually reaching your load balancer, but the load balancer still is fine. Um, there could also be a problem with your um, TLS certificates, for example, or there are many other issues that can arise that you cannot really uh, figure out if you only look at the, the technical metrics of your application. So what's a alternative here? Um, and the idea is that you monitor your application more from an end user's perspective. So there are different ways of doing this. Um, one way could be to monitor business metrics. So for example, you could monitor number of logins per minute, number of signups per hour, uh, number of purchases per hour, things like this. And if those numbers are uh, different than usual, then this could be indicate a problem as well. And the other way of uh, monitoring from an end user perspective is um, using um, synthetics monitoring. And The idea here is that we simulate a user. Um, so for example, we simulate the flow, the, the sign-up flow of a user um, in a way that is as close as, as close as possible to the real world. So for example, um, I know that you are, or you used um, Selenium in the past. So Selenium is a way to kind of remote control the browser so you can load a website and you can click on this button, you can fill in this value into this form field, things like this. And that's kind of the idea of synthetics monitoring. So we simulate a user using a browser and this browser is um, controlled by a script. So the whole test is automated. Okay, so that sounds very interesting because I think one other uh, problem with uh, monitoring it from the backend side, from the from a technical perspective with CloudWatch metrics and CloudWatch alarms is 
that you also have difficulties defining thresholds. Um, so um, there are often we have false positives in our uh, metrics alarms because it's very hard yeah, to figure out um, what's really a problem from the user side perspective. So I, I really like that approach because I want to get notified uh, when users struggle using my application. And I don't want to get notified if, I don't know, a crawler sends hundreds and thousands of requests and some of them fail. I don't care, basically. So testing from the user side seems to be also a good way to reduce the number of false positives when it comes to alarms and um, yeah, getting up at night to, to look at a problem that, that doesn't really affect any users. Yeah, I think you can also add like another perspective. So I think as um, so if your synthetics monitoring fails, then you are in, in troubles because then it is actually not working. And and I, I think that with like technical monitoring, you could detect problems a little bit earlier before they affect your users. Um, but as you said, this highly depends on uh, the system that you run and also if you can define the, the threshold in a good way. But in the end, if the end-user perspective monitoring fails, then you know that it's not working and you definitely have to do something. Yeah, so, so then it's definitely time to, <laughs> to wake something up at night uh, or someone up at night and, and fix the problem. Okay, Michael, so that sounds very interesting. So, but, but how do I do <laughs> monitoring from end-user perspective? How does that work? I already mentioned uh, Selenium as a solution, but I'm not going to use uh, it for, um, for uh, today in our um, podcast. So instead, we use a new AWS service or it's part of CloudWatch and it's called CloudWatch Synthetics. And CloudWatch Synthetics um, sounds um, like a big thing, but actually you have to understand that it more or less only runs a Lambda function in Node.js, and this Lambda function uses a uh, framework, or, or not, not a framework, a library called Puppeteer, and Puppeteer is developed by Google, and it's a way to um, remote control a headless or not headless uh, Chrome browser. So basically, with Puppeteer, you can um, remote control a Chrome browser, and this runs in a Lambda function, and CloudWatch Synthetics um, kind of orchestrates the whole thing. So CloudWatch Synthetics runs this Lambda function on a schedule and CloudWatch Synthetics collects um, the results. So for example, you can perform screenshots and then you can see those screenshots in CloudWatch Synthetics. Um, it also collects the logs from your Puppeteer scripts and it also collects uh, all the HTTP requests that were um, made by this headless browser. So for example, if you load a website, then this is not a single HTTP call because it will, after it fetched the HTML, it will then go and fetch images, CSS, JavaScript, and all kinds of things. And this is all um, recorded in a so-called um, uh, in a in a in a in a file where you basically get as a JSON file all the AM HTTP calls with latency and bytes transferred and things like this. So you can do uh, kind of high-level analysis of performance uh, problems as well with this data in CloudWatch Synthetics. But this is something that you should or yet you have to do on, on your own then. Basically, there are many ways you could use CloudWatch Synthetics because it is basically a way to execute Puppeteer uh, in a Lambda function. And it's your job to provide the Puppeteer script. And a Puppeteer script is not really a Puppeteer script. It's a, a JavaScript 
um, that uses the Puppeteer um, API, um, and it runs in Node.js. But the example that I'm going to use today is um, website monitoring. Um, so as we already mentioned, so for example, you could uh, open the website and you can check for certain HTML elements to be present. So very simple example, is there a um, headline available? Um, you can also check the title. Um, does it contain some special word? Um, so all kinds of things. But you could also then uh, click on certain elements. You could press a button. Um, you can enter values. And this is then more sophisticated stuff. But it's all possible. But this is nothing that CloudWatch Synthetics really helps you with because this is what you have to do in your, in your script. Um, but it's possible to do it with Puppeteer. And Puppeteer is really... Um, it's, it's used by many people. So there's lots of uh, examples out there in the internet. And it's an open source project. So you will find um, help. Um, so one question that comes to my mind is, is there any special to writing that JavaScript that interacts with the Puppeteer API to test my website? Or can I run the same uh, JavaScript uh, code uh, locally to execute Puppeteer as well? Is that, or is there a special format or something, some, uh, some things I have to, um, yeah, have to fit in or some, some interface that I need to implement for the, getting that to work with CloudWatch Synthetics? Yeah, so CloudWatch Synthetics, basically, they provide a a very uh, thin library. And where this library provides you a, a so-called page instance. So that's what Puppeteer provides you. And with this page instance, you can do whatever you like. But if you want to run this locally, I haven't, so I haven't found a library that CloudWatch um, imports on NPM. So it doesn't seem to be public available. And so you, you cannot run this locally. It's only available um, inside the Lambda function, and it's provided by a Lambda layer that AWS provides. So I think it's not so easy to make this work locally. But that's a bummer because how do you how do you write that script and how do you test it? Do so you have to upload it to Lambda each time to test it? That's kind of yeah. So I mean, you could if you somehow have some more complicated flow, you could get a local puppeteer up and running. It's just an npm install basically. And then you could figure out all, all the, the calls that you have to make against the Puppeteer API. And if you're done, you could take this and and, and, and wrap it uh, with the, the, the synthetics library from AWS. Um, yeah, but it's, I, I think that, that is kind of an, an, a problem if you want to run it locally. You have to figure something out. There's room for improvement for the developer experience here. <laughs> yeah, so that... There's definitely room for improvement. Also, the the documentation about CloudWatch Synthetics is 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 very. It's it's only a few pages long. Mm -hmm. um, so there there needs to be some uh, some improvements there. Um, but what you get in the end is um, uh, so from what I understand and what I experience as a user of CloudWatch Synthetics, it's 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 nothing more than a scheduled executor of Lambda functions that collects the screenshots, the, um, the, the HTTP um, calls that were made, and the logs. So that's kind of it. And they make sure that Puppeteer works um, by bundling it in a, in a Lambda layer. Um, so that's kind of what CloudWatch Synthetics does, um, at least from what I understand. Okay, I have a question regarding that. So when I when I when I create uh, when I set up CloudWatch Synthetics, does it create a Lambda function for me? 
Yeah, that's kind of where the the issues start. <laughs> um, it it creates a lambda function in your AWS account, mm -hmm. and this is visible as a like like any other lambda function. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said, it consists of um, of some custom code that is injected by AWS. So that's the like the the handler code, mm -hmm. and this handler code executes or it 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 also gets access to the puppeteer stuff from a lambda layer that aws provides mm -hmm. and then it gets executed to your custom code that is also provided as a lambda layer mm -hmm. so basically they create a lambda function and they create lambda a lambda layer for you in your account mm -hmm. and what i really don't like is that if you delete the cloudwatch synthetics and then this is called the canary so the the mm -hmm. thing that runs the puppeteer script is called the canary mm -hmm. if you delete it the lambda function stays in your account mm. <laughs> And so that's uh, yeah. I, nah, don't know. I I I really don't like services that create other resources in my account. Why don't they hide? Why don't abstract away that that part of the service? I don't understand that. But yeah, that that's um, in the in the past. AWS <laughs> is announcing more and more services that are creating lambda functions or whatever, spinning up uh, machines or whatever. Uh, and I don't really understand why they don't do that in their own accounts, so that I don't have to um, uh, have to care about those lambda functions and stuff. Because what do they do? Do they also, I don't know, for example, update a Node.js version uh, if the old one gets outdated, or what they, do they really manage that, or do I have to do that? And also, uh, what happens when someone accidentally deletes the function? All that stuff. I, I don't think that's a good practice to create. Uh, to to offer a service and then parts of the service basically just spin up a few resources. So then I can also they could also just provide me a cloud formation template <laughs> to basically um, provide the, the same service, right? So I don't really I don't get that. So I I, I don't like that as well. Hmm. So I agree. So I think that the same could have been implemented with a simple with a simple cloud formation template. Um, instead of using their own scheduling mechanism, they could just have used a CloudWatch event. Um, a Chrome-like event to trigger it, and that was another question. So, do they also set up a CloudWatch event rule, or is that handled differently? No. So, I, I at least I cannot see a CloudWatch event rule. Um, so, yeah. So, this needs this seems to be implemented some in some other way. Um, but um, okay. Besides that, um, what what you also get is that the Lambda function populates CloudWatch metrics. Um, and it does this in the not in the AWS uh, namespace. So in CloudWatch, there's the the namespace. Everything that starts with AWS slash is kind of only accessible by AWS from a write perspective. And CloudWatch Synthetics writes metrics to a namespace that does not start with AWS slash. So it's a, a custom like a custom metric thing. Um, so basically, the Lambda function uh, publishes the, the data itself, and you also need to give it permission to do it. And um, so that's kind of yeah, all the logic is in the Lambda function, basically. And, and we also have to pay for it, by the way, probably. <laughs> yes, yes, you also have to pay for it, yeah. Um, and that's the next kind of thing that I was surprised. Um, so the pricing. So there are you can run the Canary at different intervals, and uh, the shortest interval is one minute. And, I mean, I've, I I really like to be notified very early. So I, I started with a one-minute uh, interval, and then I figured out that this will cost fifty dollars per month, um, and that seems to, as only the the cost for CloudWatch synthetic. So you have to pay for the Lambda function, you have to pay for storage on S3, 
and you have to pay for the cloud automatic as well. So, so basically, and I pay I pay fifty dollars per month so that they provide me a lambda layer and uh, invoke my function. Is that what? It <laughs> yes. Okay. So that's kind of also what I understand. And then I I ask on Twitter if the pricing model is a little bit strange. And yeah, so most people agreed that that it it's not a good idea to run uh, canaries at a one minute interval. Um, so if you run it at 50 minute interval, then the pricing is not really a big problem, but still it seems a little bit costly for what it does. I don't, also, I don't understand. So, so what's the cost from an AWS perspective for running it every minute? It's basically zero. So, so the thing that I have to pay for is, so the Lambda execution I have to pay. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what is, what is causing that pricing. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if you compare it to other solutions that provide similar, uh, features then the price seems to be higher than what the competitors provide but i'm not really an expert here i just looked at what um, services like ping them provide and it seems cheaper to me but the pricing is not very transparent uh, on their website so i'm i'm not 100 percent sure but it seems to be very expensive okay so i have a question so is then the value that cloudwatch synthetic brings in is it then basically the user interface so the way i can basically look at the data see what happened there create alarms is that where the value comes from yeah so from my perspective what it adds um to the like standalone power that like the plain puppeteer is that i mean they they added some magic weight that screenshots are automatically uploaded to s3 i mean that's basically two or three lines of node.js code i guess then you can implement this on your own and they collect this, um, it's called a R, I, I cannot really pronounce it in English, so HR file that collects all the HTTP calls in a standard format. I think that's also something, I, that's something that they upload to S3 automatically. I'm not sure how complicated that would be. And then they collect the logs. I don't think that that's very complicated because you just get them on standard out on the Lambda function. So there's this basically available for free. But, but is, then there a, is there a user interface that shows me all of that? So can I go to the AWS management console and then see the screenshots and everything? Yes, yes. Ah, okay. So I'm, I, would, I would guess that's probably the, the value they bring in here because otherwise you have to find the data on S3 and something you basically don't have any user interface if you build it yourself. One last thing to add that I was kind of missing, and I'm not 100% sure if that is relevant to all people, um, but one idea of this testing from an outside perspective, from an end-user perspective, is also to uh, like make sure that everything works um, if you enter the system from the internet like end-users do. So usually those checks run from different locations. So... They check from maybe from some um, locations in Asia. They check from locations in the US, from locations in Europe, from uh, locations from all over the world, basically. Um, and that's not true for CloudWatch Synthetics. CloudWatch Synthetics runs in the region that you define. So, for example, if deployed to US East 1, then this Lambda function runs in US East 1, and it makes the calls from um, US East 1. And it also is inside the AWS network already. So I'm not sure... Or I think there could be some issues uh, with reaching your application that, that are not covered here because you're already very close to your application. Yeah, you could you could at least deploy it to another region um, then your application is running in, so then you have... Uh, yeah, okay. And I think I would definitely deploy to two regions because if one of the regions... Like, if your, major, if your main region goes down, mm. then CloudWatch Synthetics will not work as well. So you definitely should deploy the monitoring to another region as well, yeah. 
So is there a way to find out um, when Cloud Synthetics is not running? So is there any heartbeat or something that I can monitor? Yeah, so it populates CloudWatch metrics, um, but it's your job to create a CloudWatch alarms. So you could define a CloudWatch alarm, like I think you wrote a blog post about this, that man switch approach. So you could create a CloudWatch alarm that fires if there's no data coming in from CloudWatch. Um, so that's possible, but it's still that's something that you have to do. Um, yeah, that's not kind of provided already by the by CloudWatch Synthetics. The UI helps you a little bit, but I cannot remember that it was possible to define like this dead man switch alarm in the UI. But I mean, yeah, that's something you have to do. I created a CloudFormation template to help us a little bit with all of that um, because um, um, CloudWatch Synthetics is um, supported by CloudFormation since uh, a few, I think, maybe it's months already or weeks. Um, but then you also have to create the S3 bucket. You have to cre um, create um, the CloudWatch alarms and, 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 and stuff. So that's um, part of a CloudFormation template that I created, and I will uh, add the link to the show notes. So that's a very easy way to um, spin up everything that is needed, not only CloudWatch synthetics. Um, yeah, so that's... Um, I think helpful if you if you deploy your stuff with CloudFormation, at least you can copy uh, the, the relevant stuff there. Okay, Michael, so how does the flow look like? So I want to monitor my web application and I want to get notified um, when the user journey breaks. So for example, when users are no longer able to log in. So how do, how do I do that? What do I need to set up in which order and how does it work at the end? Yeah, so... I think if you really want to have the correct order, you would create an S3 bucket first. So this is where um, the Lambda function uploads the, the screenshots and stuff. And then you create the CloudWatch Synthetics Canary. So this is the piece that um, that runs the Lambda function. And if you do this over the UI, then you get um, you have basically two options. You can either write the script on your own, or you can uh, use a, a blueprint. So AWS has, f I think, four blueprints uh, blueprints available. Um, for example, for website monitoring, there's a blueprint available. Um, and then, so if you only create those resources, you will not get notified. Um, the check will run, but you will not get notified. And if you want to get notified, then you have to create CloudWatch alarms. Um, you have to, so there's, you, you for example, can check if, if the, the, the success ratio is above maybe a certain range. So for example, if you use the UI day, I think the default is 90%. And if the Uh, successful checks uh, drop below 90%, then you will, the cloud uh, alarm will fire. And then you could connect this to an SNS topic and, and send an email or something like this. Um, and then, uh, as we discussed, you might also want to create a CloudWatch alarm that figures out if there's no data coming in because the whole thing is not working. That would be a second alarm. Um, so that's uh, something that you would have to create. Um, I spent some time last week integrating this into Marbot. So Marbot is our Slack um, chatbot and it will soon support Microsoft Teams as well but at the moment uh, when we record this podcast it's Slack only and with Marbot you can uh, simply uh, ask Marbot um, to monitor your website and then there will uh, a wizard will uh, start in your Slack um, window where you select the region and then you get a link to deploy a CloudFormation stack where you enter the website URL um, you can check for a specific title You can also check for a specific HTML element and then it deploys everything that you need. And if something goes wrong, you will receive a message in Slack. 
So I think that's the easiest way uh, if you are using Slack. And otherwise, you have to figure out how to connect all the pieces. And you can definitely use the CloudFormation template to do that, uh, that I mentioned before. Um, yeah, Andreas, I think that's... Um, I, when I was preparing this topic, I was kind of like... I was very um, uh, interested in what CloudWatch Synthetics does. And it turns out it it's not really that much. So that's why this is a little bit of shorter... Um, uh, topic here but um, yeah I think that's all it does um, and we mentioned the, the website monitoring already so there are other use cases possible um, you can simulate sign up flows as we mentioned you can simulate checkout flows so or more complicated uh, processes where multiple steps needs to be finished um, and then AWS also provides some use cases so for example they check for broken links so they use puppeteer to fetch the site and extract all the links and then they again recursively uh, open up all the the links and and see if they are reachable so that's also possible but it's not something that cloudwatch synthetics does so this is something that your script does so basically whatever you do inside your script um, is something that you can monitor so if you can uh, search for links and open them then you can monitor for that but it's not like a feature that you can configure or something like this easily. It's it's really the script, the JavaScript, that needs to figure that out. Um, and you can use blueprints from AWS, but I I'm 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 very confident that you have to modify those scripts and uh, and make sure that they fit your use case. Uh, is it possible to monitor the latency or the load times uh, of my web application as well with that? Or yes, yes. Okay, because I think that is also very interesting um, to make sure the whole website loads within a certain amount of time and people can, I don't know, I can get locked in, in I don't know, five seconds or something. So to make sure that also that is covered in the, in the user end user perspective test, that's interesting. Yeah, that's possible. Um, but if, if you want to, like, you, you will very soon hit, hit the, 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 the default data that is provided and you have to populate your own data. Um, or you have to inspect the R, the R file um, um, and and see what you can get out of it. Um, but uh, in in theory, it's possible, and in practice, it's also possible in a limited way. Um, yeah. So you get the the time, like the the execution time of the whole thing is is uh, reported to CloudWatch. So if that is enough information for you, then you are fine. If you need more detailed information, then you have to figure something out. Okay, so yeah, so I think the, the topic um, of monitoring my app, web application from a user perspective, that is really something that is very important and maybe also something, Michael, we, do, we both uh, haven't focused too much on. So that maybe that might be something to do, uh, something interesting to do um, for our websites and applications as well uh, in more detail. Uh, and I, what I like about CloudWatch Synthetics, so we talked a lot about the downsides, <laughs> and that's what we do because I think that is important to do as well. But I think the the um, the advantages of using CloudWatch Synthetics is you get a product that is bundled together. You have a UI, you have an integration, so all that is already taken care of. Of, co of course, you can build it your own, but I think it's it's um, it's not th that's something that you do within 15 minutes. So it's there is some value in in this service definitely. And, and I like that um, this is a, a, CloudWatch, uh, a part of CloudWatch and it's a service that is ready to use. And on the other side, it is very flexible 
the course many other tools that I know um, that we are using. I think we are using Uptime Robot. Uh, this is a service that we use right now to monitor the websites. Um, um, they are often very limited uh, in a way that you can uh, define your own checks because they don't offer you the way to to run your own source code. Instead, they um, they have complex uh, wizards and configuration settings that you can do, but but of course that is all that is not always covering everything you want to do. So I think that is maybe the the big thing that the CloudWatch Synthetics brings in. It is you can run your own script, you can run your own code that does the, the check that runs the check, and I think that is maybe also something um, that differentiates the solution from other um, providers. Yeah, so I, I agree with your summary. So as long as you are f f comfortable editing or writing JavaScript um, and, and like getting used to how Puppeteer works, then you can you can create very flexible and very powerful checks. Um, but that's like if, if you're not familiar with, with JavaScript and, 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 and stuff and programming, then you will have a hard time using CloudWatch Synthetics. Sure. Okay. Okay, Michael, uh, thank you very much. So this was a very interesting topic. Um, and before we um, end the episode, I want to thank all our listeners and readers of our blog uh, for taking part in the Cloud on Out Reader Survey that we run uh, in May, um, celebrating the fifth anniversary of Cloud on Out. And um, uh, we are really happy with, uh, with the results of the survey, and I wanted to share some of them here because I think it is maybe interesting to know uh, what other people are listening to this podcast and what other people are reading the Cloud on Out blog. And I think that's maybe, yeah, I think that's interesting to, to know a bit about the community that you are a part of um, by listening to this. Um, so first of all, um, the reader survey uh, found out that um, all of you are really happy um, with the content that we provide uh, in the blog and also in the podcast. And what, what was uh, more interesting to learn about you is um, that um, 28% uh, of the listeners in Regis use AWS for more than five years. So this is, um, I think, very interesting because that means the community is really very deep into all the technical details about AWS. They're not just starting. They, they have worked with AWS for years and, and learned a lot since then. Um, 35% are using AWS for more than two years, um, which, if you sum it up, is um, more than 60% um, are using AWS for more than two years, which means I would say they are, um, yeah, they are not beginners uh, when it comes to AWS. So that is, that is very interesting. Um, we also asked about your job titles uh, to learn a little bit more about, um, uh, about you, the community that listens to a podcast and reads the blog. And what's interesting here is um, 50% um, have a job title that says, uh, I'm a DevOps engineer, whatever that means in, <laughs> in practice and can be discussed, of course. Um, uh, also, um, a DevOps engineer or software uh, re uh, reliability engineer. 70% um, are software developers. 14% uh, are architects. Um, so overall, you can say that more than 75% have a highly technical role. Um, so this is the community that you are part of here when listening and uh, reading to reading our blog. Um, so what I didn't expect is we also asked about, do you use any other cloud providers? 
And which was what was very interesting to me is um, that um, 60% answered that they use Azure besides AWS, and 52% answered that they used uh, the Google Cloud platform as well. So I, I actually didn't expect that. That might be because I'm biased because <laughs> we are only doing AWS here. Um, but for me, that's interesting that, um, that many of you are not only using one cloud provider, um, but others as well. Um, so this is also interesting to know, um, I think, and maybe also to, to, um, to know about the market a little bit um, that we are going, going to. Okay. Um, uh, we also asked about the certifications, the AWS certifications, and uh, that's, that's also very interesting. Um, 70% 70, 70 are solution architects associate certified and 22% are, uh, have the professional certificate as a solution architect for AWS as well. So that is, that is interesting. So I, can, I would say, uh, in summary, you can say that um, as a listener to this podcast or as a reader of our, the Cloud on Our blog, you're part of a community that has a high technical focus on Amazon Web Services and other clouds uh, partly as well. Uh, and I think um, this is also um, the audience that, that we uh, like to have because we really like to write and talk about the deep technical things when it comes uh, to AWS. And that's what we will do uh, in the future as well. Uh, Michael, do you have anything to add um, about the reader survey? Um, nothing to add. Uh, just uh, thank. Uh, I, I want to uh, say thank you to to all the readers and listeners, and I'm very happy to to uh, create content for such a like professional audience. So that's um, highly appreciated here. So I think we can we can close this episode, Andrea. So do you have anything else to add? Yeah, let's do that. So first of all, thank you very much, Michael, for providing um, the content of this episode. So talking about CloudWatch synthetics and. Um, One more thing, um, we thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you haven't done already, please subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app and also share it with a friend. So that's it for today. We will um, come back in two weeks. Yeah, thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.